0: Hello, it's Sylvia Byron here again from the Good Neighbours Committee, continuing our mini podcast for conversations with community. I'm here today with Michelle miller Goche, a member of the Good Neighbours Committee, and we're going to talk about the importance of language when talking about Black, Indigenous, people of colour, and why language is so important. Let's talk a little bit about Why language is important when being a good neighbour and creating safe communities. Michelle, what do you think about that?
1: I'm a literacy teacher, so my career, my educational career, has been grounded in the importance of language. Language is powerful. Words we use can hold people up or they can create harm. Living in community and using language that supports each other is part of the reason we're here on this planet, I think, is it helps us build community that helps each other. We help we help each other be the best we can be. Um, I want to make sure that when I'm speaking with my literal neighbor, that we can depend on each other and we feel supported by each other. That when I walk down the street and I see families in the grocery store or out in the parks, that we can feel comfortable and feel like we all belong and that we all have a place here and are valued.
0: I think sometimes people find it really hard to change or people don't understand how their language lands. I have heard the term that used by people of color and Indigenous people and people of the LGBTQ community and disabled community talk about microaggressions. What is the definition of a microaggression?
1: So I'm growing in my understanding about microaggressions. I would have to say that I think all of us in some form or another because a lot of our own biases are unconscious. That's a problem with them. They're unconscious. So microaggressions are sometimes intentional but sometimes not intentional and they can happen between friends and they can happen between strangers and they are they reveal our bias about people often who are marginalized or sometimes are biased about people who, are, who look like they're part of a community that's not marginalized. So it can be in nonverbal behavior. It can be in facial expressions. It can be in what might seem as friendly questions. And, and actually, I don't want to vilify people who are trying to be curious about other people. One thing that comes to mind personally is the question, where are you from? And I'm, I grew up in a small town where my family was were representative of the the only two Black people in the community. And so most of the time when people didn't know me, they would ask, where are you from? Our oldest works in Victoria in a bookstore, and they have brown skin. And more often than not, people with white skin or even people who might say have a British accent will ask where... My kid is from, and my kid will say, Northern BC. And then they'll say, but yeah, but no, but where are you from? Like really, where are you from really from before that? No, I was born in BC. I'm from Canada. And they don't ask that of people who are working next to them that that don't present as, you know, a person of color. Um, and it's about trying to be friendly and curious, but it also reveals your bias but so that you, it, it sounds like you think anybody who is of color is probably not from this country, where that's an interesting concept because the people who are really from this country have brown
0: skin. And so when you get constantly asked that question, how does it make a person feel?
1: Well, lots of times things like this will happen within conversations and friendships or small groups or at social situations. And you don't want to come across as being defensive or offensive. And so one response could be, so what do you mean by that? When someone says something, say another microaggression, it could, could be that, oh, that's so gay. Mm-hmm. What do you mean by that? And then when they have to explain, then they will start to check themselves well you know what now that I think about it that probably wasn't the the best phrase to use mm-hmm. I think what I'm learning is that I have to learn some replacement behaviors or replacement language so what could I ask someone who's working in a bookstore who has brown skin and I'm curious I want to know them I'm kind of wanting to have a conversation what else could I ask them besides where are you from I could say hmm do you like work, working here? What's the best part about working at this bookstore? Do you have a favorite book that you're reading right now? And then you get to engage in a conversation that is about something that's different than their physical identity, their visual identity.
0: Mm-hmm. I love that. And I was given the advice once to ask something about what a person can choose. I like how you cut your hair or I really appreciate your glasses. So something that they can make a choice about, not something that becomes intrusive and becomes about their identity. What would be another example of a microaggression that's not verbal?
1: In um, learning sessions where a topic comes up and arms get crossed, heavy sigh, maybe look away, maybe roll my eyes, maybe check my phone. Um, It's a disengagement. So there's a, a quiet rejection of a topic or conversation or in the end
0: of people. And sometimes, as you say, it's about that unconscious bias and that discomfort that they don't want to deal with. And I think that we all need to stay uncomfortable and check our biases and do that work that's sometimes hard to be able to say, how do I really want to walk in the world? And if it's with kindness, then I got some work to do. Yeah. The last question I want to ask is about Black Lives Matter. People all over the world are saying, why are we saying Black and Indigenous lives matter? Why can't we say all lives matter? Um, And it's pretty strategic why we say Black Lives Matter specifically. Can you talk a little bit about that?
1: I actually did a little bit more reading about it as I was thinking about our conversation today and maybe I'll just start with how when the protests were happening worldwide our little town held a black lives matter march so my husband and I showed up for it and we were out on the highway the intersection where everybody has to stop when they come through our town and um we had our Black Lives Matter signs and we got lots of you know positive honking. Some people joined us some people I knew someone who drove home grabbed their kids came back and joined us And there were also some surprises to me. So um, that was a a lovely surprise. There were a few vehicles that drove by that rolled down their windows and flipped the middle finger and hollered, all lives matter. And I thought to myself, that was like so aggressive and so confrontational and hurtful. and, And I wasn't quite sure how to respond. So... It's part of either not recognizing what Black Lives Matter actually means. It's not a term that is about exclusion. It's about focus. We actually agree that all lives matter. Mm -hmm. And there are segments of our populations, of our communities, of our nations, who are subject to some pretty horrible life outcomes. And much of the time in our country, they're Indigenous or other people of colour, women, Indigenous women. So in order for all lives to truly matter, we need to focus on communities where their lives actually aren't seeming to matter as much as others. Indigenous people are usually given longer sentences than non-Indigenous people for the very same types of crimes. Um, Indigenous women more likely to be subject to abuse, rape and violence and death than non-Indigenous women. And similar statistics can be quoted for Black people across or across North America. We like to think in Canada that it doesn't really happen here. And I've had police say to me, this is Canada, that doesn't happen here. But statistically it does. And it's been acknowledged by the head of the RCMP, the national leader And recently in Quebec, it's been acknowledged in the courts that Black people are subject to pullovers, random pullovers at rates much higher than people with white skin. Let's just go beyond the argument because we all agree all lives matter. Then what are the steps we need to take in order for all lives to truly matter?
0: That's that real, you know what, until all of us are equal. None of us are equal. So we have to do the work. Mm -hmm. And I keep saying doing the work because I think everybody can do the work, whether it's going out to read anything, going out to research Black Lives Matter, going to research what equity is, going to research what you can do. Also coming to join us at the Good Neighbors Committee at one of our community information sessions, which happen every other month. We invite the community in if they would like to learn something about um being a good neighbor or anti-indigenous or anti-racism work they can reach out to the good neighbors on facebook or via our website which is going to be on a tagline on the bottom of this podcast thank you so much for your time today i really appreciate you sitting down and talking with me just about the importance of language and the importance of language in our conversations i hope this is helpful for those folks who have joined us
1: Thank you. Thanks for helping me me be brave to do this. (laughs) This
0: was awesome.
2: You were the exact perfect person. (laughs) Yay, Yay! The Good Neighbours Committee came into being more than 20 years ago in response to a desire to address racism and encourage the celebration of diversity in the community of Vanderhoof. Funding to support the work of the volunteers on the Good Neighbours Committee has come from federal programs such as Canadian Heritage, provincial programs such as Welcome BC, Organizing Against Racism and Hate, and Resilience BC, and regional grants from Northern Health and the Regional District of Bulkley Chaco. The Good Neighbours Committee is made up of a dedicated group of volunteers, each bringing their own experiences, backgrounds and talents to the group. We have done community education projects using theatre, visual arts, dance, cooking, newspaper articles, community surveys, playwriting, cookbooks, and more. We invite you to join us on our current project, Podcasts with a Purpose. We will share a 30-minute podcast interview with a local person sharing their experiences of what it's like to live in Vanderhoof. We will follow that interview podcast with a shorter action podcast to offer listeners tools and tips for addressing racism and celebrating diversity. We hope you'll join us.